you lose the best and brightest when you try to dim their light, when you try to push them into a compromised position, recognizing that I've had to make choices in career about whether the context that I'm operating in is one in which I can thrive. And I encourage especially emerging leaders to look seriously at the context they're operating in. If it's not inclusive, if it does not recognize uniqueness as a gift, if it doesn't fully capitalize on those uniquenesses, building belonging through unique individuals, then I think you should seriously consider if where you are serves you. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Hello, I'm Brian Gorman, a Quantibus coach and your host for Conversations. My guest today is Daphne Jefferson. Daphne is also a coach here at Quantibus, and she is the author of Dropping the Mask, Connecting Leadership to Identity. Welcome, Daphne. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Our conversation today is about inclusive leadership. So, Daphne, if you would, Please tell us a bit about your story and why inclusive leadership is so important to you. That's a great question. And and my take on inclusive leadership comes from my background. Having been one of the only or the only person who looked like me, who had my background in so many different circumstances, starting as a young child, moving into the world of work, and in particular as a leader, and not really seeing examples of people who look like me and feeling like the outsider. And this idea of othering is a relatively new term, but it really means not being a part of the group. And growing up feeling that way, I always wanted to make sure that wherever I was, in a social setting, at work, that no one that I had a chance to influence would feel that way. And so as a leader, I feel like it's my job to ensure that people feel connected. We all have different needs and chances to connect, but inclusion is really about helping individuals see themselves within the team, within the organization, as a contributor, as an equitable partner, I won't say an equal partner because it's not always the case, but there's this sense of equity and belonging in inclusion that is very much a part of me feeling excluded and not necessarily feeling valued and taking that and using that as my framework and foundation of how I see myself as an inclusive leader. And I write about it in the book because I want to offer opportunities for people to one, understand they're not alone, and two, for others to understand 
that sometimes it's the small things that matter when it comes to inclusion. As leaders, making sure that we're equitable when it comes to opportunities for assignments. Sometimes we think about promotions and pay raises and all of those kinds of things. But it's, are you giving equitable opportunity for people to show what they can do, to excel, to get visibility within the organization, which then helps to build careers. And so it's about taking that intentional step of inclusion. In your book, you write, my older, wiser self has learned that painful lesson, and now I know the truth. When I define myself based on other people's expectations, I'll always come up short. The standard of white masculinity imposes itself onto minorities, so we often measure ourselves against an ideal we'll never be able to achieve. When we define ourselves based on somebody else's perceptions or standards, we're devaluing our own unique identities. I'm never going to be a white male, nor do I want to be. That's a powerful statement, Daphne. And in so many organizations, if you don't have the, the kind of inclusive leadership mindset you're talking about, I almost have to define myself by other standards. How do you bring those two into alignment in, in situations where leaders are not inclusive? I think the starting point is with self. Understanding who you are, your capabilities, your strengths, your challenges or opportunities, weaknesses, whatever you want to call them. Understand your full self and leverage those strengths to build confidence. I think you have to have a measure of confidence and courage to operate in spaces where you are in the minority, whether you be an African-American woman in a predominantly white male environment, or if you are a white male in a space where uh, you are the minority, understanding who you are, your value set, what you bring to the table, and being clear on that, because there's so many forces that try to shape you into something other than who you are, to tell you that you should be, they tell me I should be more like Brian. You know, I would get, do you see this person? You should be more like them. Well, if I'm more like them, I'm less like me which means I lose part of myself. And for organizations and leaders within organizations and structures, think about what you're doing when you're trying to create cookie-cutter models of what you think the successful analyst or director or VP is. What we're losing is that energy, that power, innovation, creativity from allowing people to flourish within the context and to recognize that we set artificial requirements that don't really get us to our intended outcome. If your outcome is to maximize the bottom line, to build business, to do all of these things, you're losing energy, you're losing capacity, you're losing revenue. If you're not looking at Who's got a different set of ideas? Who has a different approach? Who may be able to tap into a different market, whether it be based on race, gender, ethnicity, orientation, all of these things? The vanilla homogenous organization is a dinosaur because society is not that. 
you lose the best and brightest when you try to dim their light, when you try to push them into a compromised position. I've had to make choices in career about whether the context that I'm operating in is one in which I can thrive. And I encourage especially emerging leaders to look seriously at the context they're operating in. If it's not inclusive, if it does not recognize uniqueness as a gift, if it doesn't fully capitalize on those uniquenesses, building belonging through unique individuals, then I think you should seriously consider if where you are serves you. And in this environment of a very tight job market where people have choice, think about what it means to attract the best and brightest if you are not inclusive. There's so many things that are so important about what you're saying, Daphne. We're saying with the great resignation, not only do people have choice, people are making choices now in numbers that we've never seen before. One of the things when I'm working with leaders, and more and more, I believe managers have to become leaders, even frontline managers. And part of my message to them is that people are not the same as the roles they fill. And the more you know your people and not just the roles, the more they're able to bring to you, to the other team members, and the value they deliver to the organization. I remember many years ago, when I first came out to one of my managers, she said to me, be yourself, everybody else is taken. (laughs) And it's true. Ever since then, I have looked for environments that allow me to be myself because it's only in being myself that I can bring my full value to the table. Absolutely. That's amazing advice. And it is true that when people feel like they can bring their, and I say bring their best selves to work, because sometimes the self that is at home may not be appropriate for work, but to be able to bring facets of yourself that allow you the freedom to drop the mask, to come out of hiding, and to just show up and not bring all the baggage of pretending and the worry and the stress that it causes to try to fit yourself into a mold that's really too small. As a leader, what's important about self in order to be an inclusive leader? I I think it goes to the core of emotional intelligence. It's that self-awareness. I have to know myself. I have to know my biases. We all have them. I have to understand my triggers. I have to understand those things in me that early on in my leadership journey where I was a doer and I couldn't let go and think about my job in a different way, to think, to think about leading as opposed to doing. I have to know my strengths. I have to know the opportunities that I have to continue to develop. And I have to reflect being a learner still at this point in time. And so I can't help and support my team members if I'm dragging around all of the stuff inside of me that I'm not reconciled with. And if I'm not 
self-aware, it's difficult for me to show up as my best self. And I think it's required of leaders to show up as your best self, come to alignment and understanding and make peace with whatever's happening on the inside. I know for myself, there are things that I need to continue to grow into. And so I can be more empathetic and supportive of others in growing into where they need to go. I had a professor at American University, Don Zotterer, he used to talk all the time about being a reflective practitioner of the art of leadership. And you really do need to be reflective of who you are and how you show up in order to be the best leader you can be. You said a, a couple of things there that I really want to dig into. One is being the importance of being reflective. The other, you said we all have biases. And I think that that is such an important recognition. You know, what are my biases? In what situations do they come out to play, if you will? And unfortunately, it's, it's not nice play when, when our biases come out. Where did they come from and how do I, if I can't eliminate them, how do I live beyond them? We all have biases. It's, the, it's human nature. It's a part of our brain. It's a part of our survival instincts. It's a part of how we process. And I think you and I talked before, if we have to process each individual unique bit of the millions of data points that come at us constantly, we would be overwhelmed. We couldn't act. Biases sometimes come from learned behavior, from observation, from our tribe, our family, our community. It's, you look different from me. And so can I trust you? Am I safe? Those kinds of biases to, that grow into, I can't trust this guy, or they're lazy, or all of these stereotypes. There are also biases towards action or biases towards analysis, which can sometimes lead to analysis paralysis. It's recognizing and understanding who you are on your best days, but also on your worst days, which is when biases and stereotypes and all of those things tend to show up because on our worst days, sometimes we are triggered. We are in this survival mode. Things happen in the workplace. We're disrespected, and so that triggers my flight or fight. I'm not using my logic. It goes back to your earlier question and the earlier point about knowing yourself and understanding. Yes, I, I have a bias towards a certain type of person. Yes, I have a bias towards action. And perhaps I'm in a position where I need to have a bias towards more strategic or analytical thinking and recognizing it. The first step is to admit that you have them. The second step is to really think about what are my, what are those things that are my major biases, those so-called truths? Are they really true? One of my favorite questions is, what else could be true as a way of countering my bias? 
because my bias is I'm thinking this way or I'm thinking that way or I perceive this person or this situation as such. If I ask myself what else could be true, it forces me out of that train of thought and makes me work a little bit harder in understanding there are other possibilities. And I learned that even in relationships, something could be said or maybe somebody seems moody or something. What else could be true? Probably has nothing to do with me. But what else could be true puts me in a different mindset. And it's a mindset of curiosity, maybe compassion, empathy. But it takes me out of the ditch with my biases and moves me towards uh, getting back on the path. I love that question because it really can be at the core of the reflection that you were talking about before. I literally, as part of my daily practice, do mirror work. And that question now is a good one to ask myself when I'm struggling with a, a, a particular situation. You've mentioned empathy a couple of times. And one of the things that I think leadership needs to bring to the table today is a dynamic balance between empathy and accountability. When I'm working with my clients, I, I often compare this to standing on one leg. It's, it's not static. You know, you're constantly having to readjust. And it's not just static in how you show up in your role as a leader. I need to, may need to bring more empathy to Daphne today, less empathy to Margaret. And that can even shift from moment to moment. So again, it, it calls for that much self-awareness in order to bring that empathy in the effective way that leaders really should be doing. I'm going to have to steal that standing on one leg because I think that's a, <laughs> it's a perfect analogy. And it is because one of my practices is build my balance. I stand on one leg and then I shift to the other. And you're right. There is no such thing as standing straight on one leg. <laughs> it requires you to adjust. And I think the idea of leaders bringing empathy with them and accountability, it's managing those polarities. And there are strengths in both. And there are downsides to both. If I'm pure empathy, am I holding people accountable? Am I executing on my commitments? Is this a workplace where people feel that they can contribute their best? If it doesn't matter if you show up, it doesn't matter, you know, I'm going to, as a leader, I'm going to be 100% understanding. And you contrast that with complete accountability, which may feel like micromanagement. And so it is this dance between understanding yourself Understanding the individuals that make up your team. There is not just the team and one personality. It is what does this individual need, want, care about? What's their motivation? How do I as a leader support their motivation, their development? How do I build accountability into that framework with an understanding and being empathetic to the whole person? And in this virtual hybrid world, how do we build connection with people we may have never met in person and still have that same level of empathy and care and accountability? In answer to that last question, I've talked to many people that say 
you can't do that virtually. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a story because I have been working with some clients for three or four years that I have never met, and I've worked with them through tremendous joy and tremendous pain, tremendous sadness, and tremendous success and tremendous failure, and you can build that connection. Yeah, it's great to meet someone person to person. It's great to give a handshake or a hug to a friend. And if we tell ourselves we can connect, even if we haven't met, then it's true. We can. Daphne, what else would you like to share with the listeners to conversations? I think this idea of being intentional in who we are as people, who we are as leaders, doing the intentional inner work of understanding ourselves and recognizing our strengths, our biases, the whole person. And for us to give the same care to ourselves that we, it sometimes is easier to give to others. Because I think as leaders, we fundamentally have the ability to change people's lives, to change their day, to change the environment. And that's a tremendous responsibility. And to be inclusive and equitable, caring, and ultimately accountable. I came up through the federal government very much focused on mission first, but there's an expression, mission first, people always. And if we keep that in mind as leaders and walk that polarity and manage that polarity and understand that inclusivity is not a buzzword. It really is about how do we bring out the best in others and how do we build community across the great divide. And I think being intentional and mindful about who we are as practitioners helps us to develop thriving teams. And some of the greatest experiences of my life have been working with teams as a leader And understanding that dynamic and that energy. But the hard lesson for me to learn was to to take care of the inner work to be a stronger leader. And that's what I would encourage folks to think about is that inner work that we all need to do. I actually want to bring us back to one more topic before we wrap up. You and I both had the privilege of uh, training under the late Judith Glasser. And... We begin each of these podcasts with um, some of her words, and you quote her several times in, the, in your book, including words create worlds. And I think that is such, as leaders, that it is such an important piece of our leadership. It's how we show up, and we've been talking a lot about how we show up and the actions we take and the words we use are also so incredibly important. Absolutely. And I learned a lot from Judith to include this idea of aspirations and the power that it has versus goal setting objectives and all of that. Aspirations, the idea that you can think it into existence and understand that that's a way to drive forward or to grow forward. And I appreciate all that 
Judith has brought to the world with her work around language and its impact and the power. It is true. Words create worlds. And for each of us, think about the kind of world we want to create. That should garner us using different language. And I tell people all the time, the most important conversations we have are with ourselves. What's the language that we're using on ourselves, with ourselves, about ourselves? And for us to remember that if we can reframe in the positive, we can really change our world. Daphne, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the offer of your time. <laughs>